Welcome to our message for this week. Today we focus on the third of the seven holy virtues, that's love. It's the last of the spiritual virtues, and our text for today comes from 1 Corinthians 13 and Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 through 45a. That is the first part of 45. First, from 1 Corinthians 13, If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. And the greatest of these is love. And then from Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 uh, through 45a, these are the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Let us pray. Lord, when we look at love this way, it is beyond us. It is not within us to love like this. So we ask for your help today. Fill us with your spirit that we might be your children who love like you love. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart, in my heart. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart. It's a popular Christian hymn from way back. And probably everyone listening to this has felt that way at one point or another. Or you wouldn't be listening. We want to be Christians we want to go to heaven when we die. We want to be children of God. We have that desire, or we probably wouldn't be here right now. And so early on, most of us figured out that we would have to follow the rules. If we want to be Christians, we got to follow the rules. And of course, the big ones are the Ten Commandments. So we work very hard at, at, uh, at honoring God, at remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy, about not taking God's name in vain, don't kill, don't steal, don't bear false witness, and so forth. We, we spend a lot of attention on those things, and, but then we add to it, and most of the places I've been, we add to it a list that I call the don'ts. 
don't drink, don't cuss, don't smoke, don't be promiscuous. The list changes a little bit from area to area, but there's this notion that if we want to be Christian, we've got to not do some things. And we might be successful for a while. We, by our own willpower, can follow those rule lists rule list for a while. But by our teenage years, most of us have done some of the don'ts. And many of those give up and leave the church as failures. I've seen it happen over and over again that teenagers say, well, I've already done the don'ts. The church doesn't want me anymore. I'm going to walk away. But some of us keep at it. There's got to be a way for us to be Christians even after doing the don'ts. And so we study the scriptures. We acquire lots of new knowledge. We will know the truth and the truth will set us free. Along the way, we discover this thing called grace an unmerited gift that we can't earn and we don't deserve. Paul says it is by grace that we are saved through faith. It's not the result of works, but it's a free gift of God. And we're so relieved. We are children of God, not by keeping the rules and doing the good stuff, but just by receiving the gift. By grace, we have been saved. That's great news. But it leaves me with a question. It leaves me troubled, in fact. If we are, in fact, God's children, why is there so much fighting in the family? If we all belong to God, if there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, if we've all been baptized into this same family, why is there so much infighting? And understand, I'm not talking about the violence and hatred that are going on in the world outside the church. Those who've not experienced the love of God may act violent, and we shouldn't be surprised at that. When lost folks act like lost folks, that's not really surprising. But when the church shows a lack of love, when those who claim to be following the Prince of Peace and the Lord of Love act with hatred, then it leaves me wondering what's wrong with our scenario. Why aren't we becoming yet the Christians that we wanted to become? If we are all saved by the same grace, then why are we at each other's throats? There's one thing that's missing from our conversation so far in this message. Love. Yeah, love. And it's a critical piece, the critical piece. If I keep all of the rules and don't have love, I'm just a noisy symbol. If I possess all knowledge and faith but don't have love, it's no good to me. If I sacrifice my life, if I literally lay down my life, some translations say if I give my body over to be burned and don't have love, I've just wasted my life. It's of no use. If I adhere to the doctrines and fundamentals of the faith and don't have love, I've done nothing. In fact, I wonder... Can grace even exist without love? We claim to be saved by grace, but is there grace without love? I don't know how there could be. Love is a key component of the Christian life, above all else. Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians 13. Agape is the word that he uses. It's a Greek word for unconditional love. It's the word he uses all the way through. While we may love reading this passage at weddings, and I've done it lots of times, this passage is not about romantic love. It is about agape, unconditional love, the kind of love that God has for all of us and that God calls us to have for others. 
This is the way I describe agape. It's not, I love you if. That's a conditional love. I love you if you behave a certain way. I love you if you follow the rules. I love you if you love me back. That's conditional love, and that's that's not agape. It's also not, I love you because, which is a different kind of conditional love. I love you because you're nice to me. I love you because you give me things. I love you because you love me back. That's That's not agape either. Agape love says, I love you, period. That no matter what you do, I can't love you more. No matter what you do, I can't love you less. My love for you is not connected to your behavior or your attitude or your personality or any of that. It is love because you are lovable. I love you, period. That's the love that God has for us. And God demonstrates that love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God doesn't just have some warm, fuzzy feeling for us. In fact, I suspect sometimes he gets pretty aggravated with us. And so the love that God has for us is not just an emotional, fuzzy feeling. No, it is a love that is born out in action. God demonstrates love through sacrifice. God so loved the world that God gave his only son to die for us. That's a demonstration of love. God demonstrates love through sacrifice. So I'm left wondering, how do we demonstrate our love for God? If God is so careful to demonstrate love for us, how do we demonstrate love for God? The answer comes in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7, where God defines his love for us, where, where we are told how we are to love one another as well as God, that love is patient. Love is kind. It's not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Think about our interactions with other human beings. Are they described by patience and kindness or by envy, boast, boastfulness, arrogance, and rudeness? Love bears all things. That means love suffers. Love suffers on behalf of the beloved. We understand that instinctively as parents... Uh, if we've any good parent knows what it's like to suffer the loss of sleep at two in the morning when the child needs feeding or a diaper change, but that kind of suffering extends to, out to the rest of humanity. That love suffers on behalf of the beloved. Most of all, we are willing to suffer even for the cause of Christ. A few years ago, I led a devotional group during Lent, a season of repentance and preparation for Easter. During that devotional time, we spent a lot of time doing devotional readings on the idea of suffering and our willingness to suffer for Christ. That really made our group members uncomfortable because we have this notion in America that following Christ means that uh, I'm going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Following Christ means that life is going to be good and enjoyable, and I'm going to be filled with this peace and happiness. But What 2,000 years of history has taught us is that following Christ also includes suffering. And sometimes we have to embrace that suffering, suffering because the beloved is worth it. In fact, that's what Jesus had in mind in the Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies and pray for those that have persecuted you. Suffer and love anyway. 
That's the way we become children of the Father. Now, that's a different take than what Paul gives us in Ephesians, where by grace we've been saved through faith, not as a result of works. But Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount that when we love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, we become children of God. That becoming children of God is intricately linked to love. God is love. And we are made in God's image. If we belong to God, unconditional love must define us. Two Friday nights ago, someone went up on my girl's front porch while my grandson was asleep in his bed. They ripped the girl's pride flag off the porch, destroying the mount to which it was attached, created a horrible ruckus, scared, scared my daughter-in-law to death. My daughter wasn't home, scared her to death. I confess to you that I have been in no mood to love those guys this week. I'm angry. I'm scared for the safety of my family. And love has not really been a part of the equation. They attacked my family, and I don't want to love. Then as I was preparing for this sermon, I was reminded of the shooter who went into an Amish school and took the lives of, I believe it was 10 precious young children. And the parents of those children met to forgive the shooter. And they reached out to the parent, the, the mom of the shooter, who was also killed in the incident. And they expressed love and concern for the mom. And the mom has actually now been in relationship with those folks and been caring for one of the victims of the shooting for years. I am humbled by that kind of love. In fact, I can't do it. It's not in my power to love like those parents did. If it's going to happen, it will have to be the work of God in me. God will have to show up in me to teach me to love like that. But fortunately, it doesn't depend on us. Like faith and hope, love is an infused virtue. It is a gift from God. It is the gift that defines us as children of God. They will know we are Christian by our love. This week, let's spend some time at the end of each day doing an examination of conscience. How did I demonstrate love today? How did I demonstrate unconditional love in my world today? See if you can name anything. When did I fail to love as God loves us? And again, try to name those. I've had to name those guys that were on my girl's front porch. And even as I prepared the sermon, I realized that I had to spend time praying for them, that love would somehow pierce their hearts. Then pray for God to fill you with love. And pray for those whom you fail to love. That's what I've been trying to do. How did I demonstrate God's love today? How did I fail? And then pray that God will fill us with love and help us to love those whom we failed to love. As we grow in love, we are becoming children of God. Amen.